I'm Colby Spencer, and this is Vantropolis. This is Vantropolis, a podcast about the happenings, the goings-on, and the general day-to-day life and antics of the underslept masses working in Vancouver's film industry. I'm no expert. I'm just nosy. And if you are too, let's do this. Stuart Haggerty is a 20-year veteran gaffer in the lighting department of the Vancouver film industry. He's also neighbors with a couple of my dearest friends and their dog. This is how Vancouver film is. The industry has grown so much here that there's now cast and crew everywhere you turn in this town. In many ways, Stuart's career parallels Vancouver's film trajectory. He started his career working at a local film lighting company and worked his way up the ranks, from best boy to gaffer, where he's traveled the world and worked on such feature films as The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, Godzilla, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and The Big Friendly Giant. He also recently wrapped on two new untitled films with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock, respectively. We talk about Stewart's journey through film, the relationship between a gaffer and a DOP, and how often trial by fire is required to create new and innovative lighting solutions on set. After our time together, Stuart followed up with me, concerned that he had not mentioned enough how amazing and valuable his crew was. What a gent. So if you've ever worked on Stuart's team, this episode is for you. Enjoy. Hi, Stuart. Hello. Welcome to Vantropolis. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking time on a weekend. I know how oh. sacred they are in film. Yeah, my pleasure. And are you working right now, or have you wrapped? I know you've wrapped on a bunch of stuff, which I'm going to ask a little bit about, although you probably can't say much. But are you working? Did you work this week? I, I, I did. I was supposed to have a couple of weeks off, and uh, I, started an, I started a new project on Monday, but they had me in this week to do some uh, surveys, uh, a little Netflix film. Oh, a little Netflix film. You work on a lot yeah. of little quote, little Netflix films, but <laughs> like one with Sandra Bullock, right? Just untitled. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have so many questions. I know all these, a lot of them are hot off the press and we can't talk a lot about them, but I know you re- you've kind of wrapped on the Adam Project, right? With Ryan Reynolds. That's right, yeah. Um, which I'm so excited to see what that's all about. And it was awesome to have like Ryan Reynolds home in Vancouver, which is kind of cool for all the locals, right? Yeah, he's, uh, he's endeared himself to the city, eh? He really has. He's kind of like entrenched himself back and he and his wife, they're like donating to all the local charities and it's awesome to see. I feel like he got a like newfound love for it again after being away so long. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty genuine. And this National Parks pilot, which I'm curious about as well with Kevin Costner. So many, so many cool new new things being shot up here. There are. There are. It's very busy. The streaming has just opened up the, the city. Yeah, that's true actually, right? And wasn't Netflix going to open an office or have they already up here? For like um, writers, I, like producing stuff? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Everything I do is separate, or every Netflix show is uh, separate. Uh, but it would be to their benefit. Well, I would think that if they had a central thing up here, they're doing it so much. Yeah, I feel like they were, and they were going to start helping support content creation because, you know, everybody always gripes. We make all this stuff, but we don't actually create any of it, right? We just support the right. execution of it. Right. Um, you know, in terms of film crews, which is still awesome, but it would be great to have some homegrown stuff also be made here, right? Oh, yeah, we got such great talent up here that there's no reason why we shouldn't be making stuff. Well, there, I'm sure there is a reason that it's way above my pay grade, but uh, <laughs> yeah. there's uh, You're like, I have enough to do in my department. Well, it's, it's not even that. It, you know, when I, when I first started in the business, there was, this, um, there was a, a lot of local stuff happening, and, and it was some weird tax... Uh, 
uh, incentive that if, if you could, I, I forget what it was, if you could get money from out of the country to invest in your film, then the people that would invest in your film would get some kind of a tax thing in the, in the country so that they could uh, work here. Right. Um, and then that went away. And then so all these, all these people would get all this money from, out, uh, you know, international money and uh, people who would invest in the, in the, in the country then, or in, into the film industry. And then for some reason that went away and the local production kind of fell. I think yeah. it was, it was something weird like that a long time ago. Um, I can't really re- remember. Yeah, I know. Exactly I'd love to it. see that get a resurgence, right? Oh, Maybe it will with the next God. gen of film peeps, right? Yeah. I mean, as much as I, I, I love uh, our American brothers coming up here and spending their money and it's, um, it would be great if we didn't have to depend on it, if we actually, you know, did a lot of stuff uh, locally. And and I have a lot of friends who are, you know, directors and writers and they got some great ideas and they just, just almost impossible to get their their foot off the ground. Yeah, I know. I know. I hope that changes. That's, that's a a common thread with everyone I talk to um, on this podcast. They all feel that way. So it's definitely a collective, you know, thinking and I hope it changes. Um, Anyway, so, okay, well, let's get into you. Like, I, I mean, I'm going to call you a veteran. You probably, would you call yourself a veteran in lighting? Would you call you yourself know, I, a veteran gaffer? I, I, I would think, uh, yeah. Are you um, allowed to say that now without feeling old? Yeah, no, yeah, I do. I still, I still avoid it. Uh, you know, I just, I still tell people that I'm new. But I'm constantly, <laughs> I'm always learning and I don't want well, to. Well, that's true. Situation. Yes. I mean, you but, can always learn. That's true. Yeah, I've been doing it for a while, so you could probably call me a veteran. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. I know everyone's always hesitant to hear it, but you know, when you start looking around, you're like, damn, I've racked up a lot of years doing this, yeah. right? And it um, goes by in the blink of an eye. That's the thing, you don't realize it. I know. Well, let's get into that. I'm so curious. So, for everyone listening, Stuart is a gaffer, aka chief lighting technician on set in the film industry. Um, but I want to talk about sort of your journey into film. I, I don't know anything really about you or you know each other through mutual friends, but I'm so curious about like where you grew up and how you kind of got your path to film and where you are now. Uh, well, we emigrated here in 1975 from Scotland. I was born in Scotland. and uh, Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 10 when we came here. And so you remember so we, some stuff, obviously. Oh, yeah, for sure. But we grew up here. We grew up, we moved right to Vancouver. On uh, We got an apartment on 18th and Oak and I uh, Went to school here. And um, my film, uh, you know, I, I think it all comes, I've been thinking about it. Uh, I think it all comes down to one guy, a friend of mine back in the 80s, uh, Dave Warner, who was a, uh, uh, he was the film guy. He went to film school out of UBC. And he was the one guy that we all knew that actually had, a, uh, he had plans. And he had this passion for movies. And we didn't really have that. You know, but he offered me a job in uh, the summer of 1987, I think it was, at a company he worked for called Canadian ProLight, and that was a lighting company. <clears throat> and I had no idea what uh, I had no idea what it was. Uh, I just knew that they uh, rented lights for movies. Uh, so I started there, and uh, it was great. I started, you know, I, I I swear I started cleaning toilets and sweeping floors. That's how I started there. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. And, and I slowly started to learn more. Um, and the thing about rental companies is that it's uh, like a lot of people come and go. People, you know, the idea is that you come in and you learn about the stuff and then you go out and you work in the industry. Yeah. So it was the same thing with ProLight. People, when I went there, Dave, Dave Warner left. He went off to be a lighting technician and eventually a gaffer. And he's a gaffer now. Uh, but a lot of the people I work with there are now all gaffers and uh, 
the ones that stuck it out, you know, our grips or key grips. So I worked in that company for a couple of years. I, I became the rental manager of it, uh, which really surprised me. Uh, and then that company got bought out by William F. White's. William F. White's is the big rental house in town yes, right now. Yeah. Um, so they got bought out by that. And then they offered, they offered me and my crew, because we were all expecting just to be laid off after they bought mm-hmm. us. But they turned around and offered us all a job. They wanted us to run White's because White's was just at that time uh, setting up their new shop in the North Shore Studios. Right. And they wanted to do a completely different, uh, uh, you know, that was going to be their um, main Canadian superstore. Uh, so they wanted us to go in and help uh, build it up. And we did. My, my crew came over there and mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, we, I worked there for a couple of years as the manager of White's. And oh, wow. uh, I, think, I think in uh, 1992, I guess it was, 93, I became a member of the union and I wasn't really trying very hard to do that um but they usually every now and then they'd have these uh, membership drives and uh one of the membership drives was that because if you want to be a union get in the union you have to do uh three 20 day work with three different gaffers you gotta get your days in kids yeah Yeah. exactly so i uh and i I had a few days but not much because i was working busy i was too busy at white's and uh that's the thing, right? You've got the steady work, but you're like, ah, if I can get yeah. out, get out and go get some days, right? And, and the only days that are available at the time was the like weekends because I was super busy. But yeah. I never, all the guys that worked there, all the people that worked there, I never denied them. If they got a day call, I'd send them off. Yeah, I've I, heard that a lot, actually, that there's a real understanding at those rental houses of like, okay, yeah. go, go young grasshopper, yeah. go get your days. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's like now. I think it's a little more corporate now. Um, right, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, Back then, that's, that was the whole point. We also had this great training program that I brought over from ProLight where we'd bring people come in and volunteer. They want to learn the equipment. So they'd spend two weeks with us. And uh, we were booked up like six months in advance with people, all university uh, students and film oh, wow. aficionados. They all wanted to come and learn as much as they can. So we'd let them come in our warehouse and we would start them with cable and then we'd take them, take them to dollies. And if they had a an idea of what they want to specialize in cranes mm-hmm. or whatever we would yeah. show them that. So that worked out really well. I mean, we'd get free labor for a couple of weeks and then we would, and then also I'd end up with a, with a list of names if I needed people to work. They right. would, I'd have this great cache of names. So it was all a win-win. And I, again, I don't know if they do that nowadays because there's all the liability of having yeah. uh, unemployed people that aren't registered. You know. Yeah, exactly. And plus, I think you can probably make a lot more money doing it officially through a school, right? Like, exactly. Everything is so tightened up now. You know, like yeah. everybody's mm-hmm. realized how much you can charge yeah. for all the training. Not that the training is not important, of course it is, but yeah. it's become a well oiled machine now, right? It certainly is. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of things you have to go, the hoops you have to jump through now if you want to get into business. And, uh, you know, back then, we, we, there was no hoops. You just wanted, if you wanted to do it. But the, the, the interesting thing is that nobody really knew what was going, that there, were, there was a business up here. Right. You know, it, was, uh, it, it wasn't like uh, nowadays where you turn a corner as a film crew. It, was, it wasn't that big. You know, at, at the time, I think uh, Canal was uh, just uh, either starting or it was in its height. You know, the, the Canal's offices were right next door to White's and North Shore Studios. So right, Stephen Canal, right? Like 21 yeah, Jump Stephen Street? Yeah, Stephen J, 21 Jump Street, wise yeah. guy, Booker. Right, wise guy. Yeah, Booker, that's right. Yeah, they were huge. Richard Grieco, that was like the teen heartthrob stuff when yeah, I was growing yeah. up, oh, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I just started reading this book called Dreaming in the Rain, which I think is about Vancouver's film. Have you ever read it? 
No. But, oh, so it's like the Vancouver province, I think, movie critic, like David Spainer wrote it, and it's about all the stuff you're saying, right? Like just the emergence of how it was such an early, early day backlot thing here for Hollywood and then how it became, you know, came into its own, right? So it's so oh, interesting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't <clears throat> gone through it yet. But. You know, all, the, all the movies that were made here in the 70s, you know, like um, uh, Russian Roulette with, uh, what was it, George Siegel? That was a great film. And uh, um, Five Easy Pieces was over in the island and uh, um, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Yeah, it was such a big uh, deal then, right? For something yeah. that big to come here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So while you're at the while you're at the rental house and stuff, like, were you did you really want to get into film, or did you just take this job? Would you have taken any kind of warehouse job if somebody else had called you when you were here? Uh, no, I, uh, I, to be, I, I was like, I would was, you be the head of you know, like, uh, you know, some paper product company at this point no, right now instead? I was, I was going to college at the time. And David, when Dave Warner called me, I was at college. I was taking criminology. I was going to be a cop. Oh, yeah, I was. I would have. Been I always wanted to be a cop. I feel yeah. like I have that eye, that like observation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're that on your street, actually. So you would have been a good cop. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd be a very good cop. I'm, I'm not very. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think. I'm, I'm happy where I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You can. You're doing other investigation skills on set. Yeah. So it was. It was a complete turnaround. I, like I, I just took the job initially as a summer job. I had another. I had another semester to go to before I got my diploma. But as soon as I took the job, I didn't turn back. I didn't go back to finish my college degree. Wow. Just left it. Yeah. And so you got your, you were getting your days and stuff. And like, what was your yeah. sort of, do you remember your first day on set? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I, like, I, I do. My, my, my most, most memorable one was uh, I did a, a Salem cigarette commercial up in Whistler. Um, they wanted a, uh, Arc operator, and I was, an, I, and I worked on the arcs. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about arcs. arcs no, what's are, an arc? Tell everybody what an arc is. Uh, carbon arc, arc is a uh, an early light uh, from the fifties and forties. Uh, it, it was it, it's the carbon arcs are two basically um, carbon rods, a positive and negative, that are joined together to create a spark, and the spark is what the light is. It's, it's, and because they're um, on motors and they're turned into each other, you have to constantly trim them. So every arc, every light has an operator on top of a 12-step ladder who's looking through the glass to trim these uh, art, uh, these carbon rods. And uh, they were basically put out of commission with the uh, when HMI was invented. Uh, so HMI lights are the lights we use outside uh, to produce daylight, uh, this color of daylight. So carbon arcs, were, they were big, massive lights. They were usually cast... Uh, um, I don't want to have cast iron or aluminum, but they're mm-hmm. heavy. And they worked off of DC power. So they, they weren't very, they were very efficient in the light they produced. They produced a very specific, beautiful light. Um, and uh, before there was HMIs, we'd use these carbon arcs. And they had an exhaust on them. So if you used them inside, you'd have to have the chimney with an exhaust oh venting all of the poisonous gases outside. Right. So much has evolved with lighting, right? I was going to oh, say that too. Like huge. compared to other departments, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know, camera with lenses and things, I guess some technological advances. I'm sure camera will flip out hearing that. But like with lighting, I feel like it's the, the, there's leaps and bounds into LED and stuff now compared yeah. to other departments, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the between um, lighting and vis effects are the two departments that are right. uh, progressed through technology to the point where every day, you know, our, our day-to-day work has changed. Yeah. Uh, and budgets have changed uh, to accommodate this stuff, for sure. 
Yeah, I would I would imagine so. And like keeping up with all of it, right? And I don't know so much as a gaffer. I know I've listened to some other podcasts about gaffers and, you know, they you don't necessarily have to know how to work all that, but you you do have to understand how things are changing and being able to oh, follow up with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's my it's my part of my job to know uh what tools are available. Yeah. You know, I I I might not know how to uh uh, I don't have to know how to uh, run them, but yeah, I know exactly. I, I, I have to know what I can get out of them, and yeah. uh, you know, and then you hire people to run them for you, and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so you're up in Whistler doing this commercial. That was kind of yeah. Your first it, one. But the, the, the great thing was, other than me operating this arc, was that it was for uh, Kurosawa Film Productions. For where? Sorry, you kind of Kurosawa, Akira Kurosawa, Japanese what? director. Oh, okay, cool. Famous, famous Japanese director, Seventh Samurai. And oh, okay, Olympics. yes. Right. So he has a film production. I think he might have been dead at that time, but his film production, it, uh, his company is huge in Japan, and uh, this commercial was for Kurosawa, and it was such an amazing thing for me. You know, I, I was in my mid twenties, and I was yeah. up on top of this ladder in the middle of Whistler's Forest, working this arc, and there's these. These, uh, this Japanese film crew. Uh, yeah. It was quite different. It was really cool. You know, at nighttime, they would play bingo, which was a big thing. <laughs> and I won, I won bingo, a bingo game. And, and I don't know if, uh, if you know this, but Kurosawa was famous for painting his, um, his uh, watercolors. So no. part of the prizes is that you got these little postcards. What? Of Kurosawa's paintings. Do you have so one? I still do. I have the what? postcard. And I also have this this beautiful little so-on. Remember back in the 70s, everything was so-on patches? Yes. Well, I so, don't, uh, but I was born actually, in the you know 70s. What? I, I, I'm saying this, but I, I actually don't know how old you are. I'm not um, telling you, Stuart. Okay. That's no. I'm, I was born in 76. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. the, this, Getting I have up this there. beautiful so-on Kurosawa film studio patch that I, I still have. So um, that was a big thing for that's me. That's amazing. Yeah. I need to see that. Yeah, it was it was very cool. Um, we'll, get, we'll get that shared on my Instagram if you'll. Yeah. Well, you know, a photo. It, it, it came around because last year we uh, went to Japan to do a show, and uh, and part of our gear was Kurosawa uh, films. Oh uh, man, isn't that funny? Yeah, it was really funny. It was pretty exciting. That's cool. what'd you do in Japan? What was it? Uh, we did a movie called Snake Eyes. It was one of the GI Joe. Uh, yes, my uh, son uh, is familiar with Snake Eyes and GI Joe. Yeah, so we we it's coming out. It should be coming out in the next little while. That's pretty cool. I have a whole round of questions on Japan filming. That's pretty neat. But yeah. let's stay on your journey for now because I feel like okay. I could just, we, we could be here 10 hours otherwise, you know, <laughs> you and me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you're climbing up the film industry. So you're doing, you know, you did that one, yeah. which is what an epic one to start on. Good God. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, it was, it was and were you getting cool. enough work that you kind of were like, what was happening with the rental house? Well, once I got my, uh, once I got my uh, membership, um, and they gave me my membership because I had uh, related experience, not because I had time on set. So right. I had like uh, four or five years working in the rental house. So once I got my membership, I realized, okay, well, maybe it's time to leave. So I left, I left Whites and uh, I started working. And the great thing about working at Whites is, or working at Whites or the rental houses is that they are twofold. And I tell people as you want to get in, go work at the rental house if you want to be in the lighting or grip department because we have so much equipment that you can't learn it in a better way. So if you work at the rental house, not mm-hmm. only do you get paid to learn all this equipment, but you also learn all the people who are important, all the best boys coming yeah, in. Yeah, coming in and dumping off gear in. and picking it up. Yeah, yeah, and you're helping them load out. So you get to know all these people. So over the years of working at Whites, I got to know all these gaffers and grips and right. best boys. 
And yeah, because you're not going to learn those lights on set when someone's yelling at you, right? Yeah, like, that's no, not the you, place. You're expected to know them by the time you show up. You know? Yeah. And this is a great way to do it. It's a, it's a really good way to learn it. Um, but so my first gig when I got out of the rental house, I did a, I did some commercials and stuff. But uh, my first gig really was on Highlander. Dave Warner, the guy that got me into it, was a gaffer on the show Highlander. I don't know if you remember That's that. a classic, Stuart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, classic. That is a classic for so Vancouver. So my first show was on Highlander, second season. Um, and it was a few months long. And it was great. I was like this wide-eyed, doughy kid that didn't really know much. I knew the gear. I knew how to fix the gear. But I had no set etiquette, so I had to learn all that. Yeah, the set etiquette is a huge piece, right? Like a lot of these kids, kids, these kids these days, but they've done all this school stuff and then they go into set and they don't even have a clue how to like walk around and deal with, you know, the radios and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So it's it's a big deal. But I learned that pretty quick and Dave took me under his wing and taught me a lot. Um, It's so good to have a mentor, hey? Yeah, he, I mean, not only did changing. you, totally. Absolutely. It wouldn't be here if it was for Dave Warner. And I hear those stories with everyone, right? Like they all had somebody that kind of pulled them up and brought them along. Yeah. You yeah. know, what a generous thing to do, especially in film where it's so stressful and busy. You just literally could never have enough time to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as you grew up and kind of in your career, obviously like you went through the stages of film, right? So there's sort of like, you know, there's like lamp op let's say or yeah. right and then best boy which is more of like the scheduling yeah. and the kind of more like the rental house <clears throat> stuff right the yeah, gear right. and the trucks yeah. back to probably a bit of a reunion there for you heading back to the rental houses but as a best yeah. boy right well you know it's i i think uh, i best boyed for years uh i uh, after after highlander i ended up working on x-files for uh Three, first three seasons with another a guy. classic here. Yeah, Dave Tickell was a guy from that. So, yeah. and again, I met him through the rental house, and he took me under his wing, and I learned. John Bartley was a DP, and they, that was a real education right there. Mm-hmm. And then, I, and then I left that after three years to go learn other things, and I kind of struck out and got lucky, and I started working with this English gaffer who just showed up. He moved to the Lower Mainland, Dennis Brock, and uh, I became his best boy. And I best boyed for him for eight years. And uh, how many that years? Was eight. Eight years. Yeah. Oh wow! I uh, and that was the that was a huge turning point. That was a massive learning curve because he did things differently than everyone else. Yeah. His lighting was different. His the way he looked upon things was way different. And he taught me um, he taught me a lot of really really great skills. Uh, you know he. Uh, I learned. I think I learned more about lighting from him than uh, well. Yeah, than anyone really, because it's like up until that time, everyone came from the Canal or MacGyver world mm-hmm. of lighting, mm-hmm. and then Dennis shows up and he's feature film guy. Like he he right. did all, like Good Morning Vietnam and Aliens and Roger Rabbit. Wow! So he shows up here with all this experience, and he would show me, "Oh no, why do you want to do that? Do it this way." Yeah, and that was a real, and I, and and I use that today. I, like there's all these things that he's taught me, but. Like the biggest thing he taught me was how to light without a meter. Wait, and, and this is before digital and when we actually and so shot tell it. people what a meter is. Um, you have a you had the gaffer's tools are meters. So you have an incident meter which uh, takes uh, light levels. Um, so you can actually set the light levels to an area so that you'd have some contrast to make the picture look good. And also the spot meter, which is uh, takes a specific. You look through it and you point it, and it gives you a, a, a reflective. Um, uh, reading of the light. 
It's so um, interesting, right? Like when people say they work in lighting, like obviously my husband works in lighting too. And, and you say, oh, I, what do you do? And they, oh, I work in lighting and film. And then I, people have no clue. They think you're literally just like turning on some lamps or putting a big hot light yeah, over top of a constructed sure. set and you're like walking away. But it's so, it's so intricate, you know? It's funny, it the sense of what lighting and film means. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a very. It, there's way more to it than you, than people imagine, and and I don't think people. Well, I, I don't know if people really want to know the specifics of it. They just want to know what you do and what you're working on. <laughs> well, what they want to know is celebrities, Stuart. They yeah, just want to yeah, say, what are you working on, and what so and so like, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. And and the funny thing about that too is everyone I talk to, and I mean, tell me your experience, but like, they're just people. You know, yeah. like when you're on day 37 with the same person who's eating granola, you know, and like standing on the side and talking about their kids, like it, they're just people. You know? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. You know, that whole Hollywood thing, I think, spend any time on a set with these people, you know, you realize it's not what anyone thinks, right? No, you know? no, you're right, you're right. Were you ever starstruck in the beginning? Like when you started uh, getting up there with the films? I mean, your resume, I have to like scroll with my mouse on three pages. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I, not not really. Uh, a little bit, but I, I, my 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 starstruck comes from not the uh, not the actors as much as like working with some of the actors was or is a real treat. Um, but I get bigger kick out of when we work with musicians. You know, okay, you're a musicians I, guy. Oh yeah, you know yeah. when when we when I worked with Tom Waits on Parnassus, I was a complete. You know, I was dumbfounded. Right. I, I, could, I couldn't talk to him. I, it was oh, the only, man, the only, what a film. The Imaginarium it's, it's of the, Dr. Parnassus. For yeah, that's right. That he's talking yeah. about. Yeah, in 2009, I think. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Wow, what was that like? And that was also the whole Heath Ledger sadly passing away, like a third that's of the right. way through yeah. and stuff, right? That's, so that's right, yeah. you were You were gaffing that. Yeah. So yeah. what was that like? What was that whole experience like? Well, Big, massive names, too, for here. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it... It, it kind of goes back to um, uh, Terry Gilliam, um, yes. and if I don't know if, if everyone is aware of Terry Gilliam, he's a director from Monty Python, and he directed things like Life of Brian and Jabberwocky and stuff. But he, when I in nineteen ninety nineteen eighty five, I went to see this film uh, with a friend of mine at the Park Cinema on on, on Gamby Street called Brazil, and at the end of that film, it was the first time where I said to myself, I got to figure out who made this. This was, right. a big, this was the movie that got me interested in film. Yeah. And to this day, I, I love that film. Brazil, you, know, you said? Brazil, yeah. Brazil. I, 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 you know, I have the Criterion box set and I've seen it. Oh, the Criterion of, collection. I remember all those. Yeah. I've seen it, you know, tons of times. And so it meant a lot to me. And then I finally realized it was this guy, Terry Gilliam. And it was before the internet, but you do a little research and you find out he's from Monty Python. Mm-hmm. And then you start following his career a bit more. So, you know, when Parnassus was talking about coming to Vancouver, uh, you know, I jumped at the chance. Right. And, uh, they actually, I, it, they did it in a way that... Um, Nobody really knew it was coming. I heard after they hired, they hired the gaffer, uh, they hired the crew. And, um, and then I heard about it. And then I found out that uh, there was a conflict with the gaffer, I believe it was. And then he bowed out. So I called him immediately. Destiny and, Stewart. Yeah. And, I, and I, I got hired and I couldn't believe it. I was up actually doing a film in Bella Coola 
And I got this, I was doing this long distance phone call with uh, the DP because they were shooting in England at the time. Right. The first half of the movie was shot in England and then the second half was shot in Vancouver. So, um, yeah, I did this on uh, phone call interview with uh, uh, the DP was Nicola Pecorini. And uh, yeah, and, we, and he, we hired, he hired me and we went and did this show and it was just amazing. Yeah. Uh, to work with Terry Gilliam was such a, uh, you know, they, they, the um, everybody was saying, well, not everyone. A lot of people are saying it's hard to get what he wants. He's, mm-hmm. you know, his images, and he had this big giant book before he came into town. There was this big book of um, reference photographs. Yeah, and uh, because it was all green screen, and we had to figure out how to light what he wanted, and and a lot of people were, I don't get it, I don't understand, because it was that's the other thing too. There was no real script. There was a treatment, but oh, I really? read. One, I read the treatment. I read the idea. Uh, well, there was a script, but it was all over the place. But I, I got it right away. I, I understand exactly. And because I, I watched uh, all of the Monty Pythons with his drawings, because he was the artist. Uh, right. Was, yeah, you had the background. You were the yeah, best guy and, for the case for that one. And uh, I, I knew exactly, exactly what he wanted. Um, uh, and looking through these art books, you know, there was all these paintings by Maxfield Parrish and such. And, and they're like, God, this is exactly what a Monty Python thing looks like, you know, uh, <laughs> I love it. You know um, it, it was a lot like Brazil and all of his other movies. And yeah. uh, so I, I, I knew about this before going in, I was a huge fan of his. So to go work with Terry and then to top it all off, you know, Tom Waits, yeah. God, you know, it was so, it was so cool. You know, having lunch next to these two people that inspired me so much. It was, it was a great, it was, it was fabulous. I think yeah. it still is one of my, one of your highlights. One of my highlights, yeah. It's, yeah. It's super. Uh, um, it's pretty awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, that was a that was a massive film for here. Again, like 2009, right? I mean, now that they're stocking up, like I don't want to say bodies, but these films and, and shows that you can't keep up now, right? I mean, it's we're we're so seasoned now up here, but like back then, even then in 09, having something that big was a huge deal. You know, with Johnny yeah, Depp was- and all these guys coming up here, you're like, what? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when, Johnny when he, Depp was here before, I guess, for Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah. Back the, when yeah. when when uh, when Heath passed away, um, they were looking about going down uh, and, and shutting it down. But then uh, the uh, Terry and his brilliance mm-hmm. rewrote it all and, and and worked it so that all of the stuff that was the outside the the Imaginarium was Heath, and then when they went into the Imaginarium, it was they would make it his ideal mm-hmm. uh, character. So that's when they brought in a. Handsome uh, Johnny Depp and yeah. Jude Law, right? Jude Law and yeah. uh, what a uh, film! I mean, what a film! Colin and what a, what a what a way to adapt, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, See yeah, it just yeah. for that, you know. And it's I, I think I still watch, I've watched it a bunch of times. I, I love it. I think it's a beautiful film. And, yeah, some really hold yeah. up, you know. Yeah. And and just just for the exquisiteness of like the imagination, yeah. really. Yeah. You know. You and it, it, yeah, and the experience and, and Nicola Pecorini the. Um, the Italian cameraman was uh, just uh, completely like a wonderful man, but completely insane. And <laughs> you would, but people would say to me like, uh, "Oh, watch out!" Because the, you know it's Italian cinematography, and right. you got it. And I'd be like, "Well, what, what's that?" And then, and then I finally watched. I, I, I think at the time I watched *Suspiria*, uh, Dario Argento's film, and you, the cinematography in that, the lighting in that is. Crazy. There's no continuity. Yeah. You know, one in one shot in this one scene, it's all lit with uh, uh, a bright pink, and then they turn around to a different angle, and then at the pink turned blue. 
Does that drive you nuts or are you okay well, with that? You know, it works. That's yeah. the thing is that it works. You don't really notice it unless you're looking for it. So, and then I think, okay, this is what they're talking about with this Italian cinematography, Italian lighting. And then uh, Nicola was no different. He would just do these crazy things. And, yeah. you know, like he had this, this alabaster with this stone alabaster that he would put the light through as a diffuser. And you think, well, what the hell? You're not going to get any light through a rock. Yeah. But it, it did. It had this beautiful, soft thing. Every time we would let, light the uh, uh, Lily Cole, the actress, uh, I believe, on the show, uh, he would use this beautiful stone that was in a frame. And then at the end of it, we'd have to polish it with uh, extra virgin olive oil or something <laughs> to stop it from getting cracked. Wow. But he, it was such a cool what thing a to trip. do. Yeah, nobody did that before. No. You know. Well, and it's funny, like, how? what do you think about the European experience of lighting and all that versus the North American? Like, I think I have a sense of what you're going to say, but they're two different worlds, really, right? Like- they're, they're, they're different worlds in that they, they there's, um, you know, I think, and I've worked with a lot of European cameramen, and, uh, uh, the, like, they, there's no grips in Europe. Uh, they, they, the lighting department is also the grip department. Right. So when they come over here, they, uh, they tend to talk to the one person, either the gaffer, the, and then the gaffer talks to the grips. Not, it does not happen all that, all that time, but they're used to talking to one person. Yeah. Uh, so that's their system, and I've worked with that system before, um, and it's fine. You know, it, it's fine. I like having a grip department to support me. So mm-hmm. uh, either yeah, way. Yeah, well, t- tell everybody what the grips do. The, oh, the grips are like, the, oh, man, they're like the creative jack-of-all-trade engineers of the set. Yeah, they, they they their camera support, lighting support. You know, if you want to hang a light off of a cliff, it's the grips that deal. Figure how to do that. Yeah, like you guys don't hang your own lights. You have the grip department to do yeah, that, right? They, you're they, not you're not you're not even really moving those lights. Are you bringing them to set like your team? But where they're well, getting housed, you know, it's so in tandem with that grip department. Yeah, exactly. We we have to like if we put them on stands, we move them around. We do all that, but. Uh, the, the grip department are the ones that hang the pipe um, to, so that we can put our cables and our lights up there for sure. They also deal with the cranes and camera movement, uh, dollies, uh, um, uh, things like that, uh, and the big bounces and the rags, all of the uh, uh, diffusion and bounces. That's all the grip department. So they, we work in tandem with them. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty s- special relationship. Yeah. So together between us... Uh, the grip department, the lighting department, the camera department, we all work for the cinematographer. Yes, exactly. Uh, to, to make the DOP. Uh, the DOP, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the most revered roles on set, when you say? like Definitely. Absolutely. Every, everybody wants to be a DP. Everybody wants, you know, like it's this like, oh, the cinematographer yeah, no, on set. Yeah, for sure. They're, I think part of the, the triad, there's the, the director, the cinematographer, and the, the production designer. Yeah, right. Yeah, those are big roles, all three of those. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, about in terms of lighting. You know, like, you kind of switched mostly to, I don't want to say switch, but you evolved really into a features guy, right? Like, you you do a lot of big features, like, honestly, huge movies. The A-Team, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Godzilla, Predator, like, on and on and on. Um, And is that your preference, really, versus, you know, obviously, you've done a bunch of everything as you've moved up through the years. But do you prefer features? I do, I do. And why? It's, why do you prefer them? Um, you, you know, it's it, it's. I, I used to have a saying about television, and but that's all changed now because of the streaming. 
you know, I, I used to think that because I did a lot of television and I used to think that television is for as a young person's game because you you work twice as hard in television. You, you're constantly going. You, you you end up working, you know, like you can work 70 hours a week. Um, you do, what do they call it, Fridays where you get oh, off Saturday morning. I wanted to make shirts about Fridays. I still might. You, they, you, you end up... Um, like, thank doing, God it's Friday. Yeah. This? <laughs> <laughs> you, you end up working uh, uh, longer hours. Uh, you might, you, you know, in the, a film, I don't know, a, 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 a film day uh, comes around uh, the page count. So when you get your uh, call sheet, it says how many pages you want to shoot in the script. So on a feature film, you might shoot maybe three pages. Mm-hmm. On a TV series, you could shoot 15 pages. Yeah. And it could be three locations. So you're, it, it's, it's just, a, um, you know, like I say, I used to say it was a, a young person's game, but because streaming now is also, t- it's considered television, but they have more, they have a bigger budget. They take their time a little bit better. So my right. argument about, you know, the, the times that I've done it, like I just finished a, a pilot uh, for Disney and it was fantastic. You know, yeah. it was, uh, they had, they took their time, they did it right. And, uh, yeah, and it's a it was, pilot for a show? Yeah, for it was show, a pilot obviously. for a show. Yeah, right. it was that, uh, uh, the one you mentioned, the uh, National Parks. Yeah, um, National Parks, which the other one is, it's it's affiliated with Yellowstone, right? Like, that's the one that's out now that's doing so well. I and don't think is, it's Oh, it's not? No, I think the only thing is Kevin Costner okay. and both of them. But Kevin never, he never came up here. He was, uh, he, yeah, because I think because he's in Yellowstone, right? He's he's in the other show. Yeah, he is, he is, like, he is. Acting. This one. Let's see, uh, yeah, the other, um, the other national park, not Yellowstone, the one with um, uh, El Capitan in it. Um, I don't know. I can't keep up. There's all these yeah. themes that come, right? Like, all of a yeah, sudden, it's yeah. like, there's all these things about national parks in the forest. Like, it just, yeah. where did that ever come from in the past 10 years, right? Yeah. Anyway, anyway um, but that was, a, that was a great experience. So, my argument about television over film is kind of not a good argument these days because things have well, changed. Well, I don't know. I mean, my husband works in a lot of TV and he came yeah. and worked for you and he was like, damn, like I, this is way more chill. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, you're chiller, the best boy's chiller, everybody's calmer, it's slower, you're not running around like a maniac. I, I, that, I, that's, you know, I, I've worked for years for chaotic uh, people and, uh, and drama and I, I told myself if I ever get a chance to gaff or be in charge, I'm not going to do that. And well, I, word on I the street feel, is you don't. So yeah, success. no, I surround my I surround myself with good people and uh, nice people, respectful people, and that's a big thing. You know, you got to, you, you know, I treat my guys and my crew and everyone around me with respect, mm-hmm. and then I get that back, and it and it just makes for a better day. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, that calmness flows downstream to everybody else, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to be screamed at. Yeah, no, no. I, there's a yeah. lot of screaming. You know, there's there's a lot of screaming above uh, above our level. Yeah, I don't. I want to kind of. I try to filter that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to, right? Because you can yeah, get sucked sure. right in. I mean, oh, and that's what I was so reading easy. too. Right? Is the most valuable resource on set is time. The most yeah. expensive thing. That's what costs the most money is just time. For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nobody cares about anything else. Just you know. Yeah. Seconds yeah. and minutes. They want. And they want. They want it done fast. But you know, you say that too. But during prep, you can turn around and go. If you spend your money here, you're going to save time. And you. And it's a. It can be an uphill battle trying to convince production to do that. 
It's so funny you say that because I just listened to a podcast. Um, Roger Deakins, the DP, has a podcast. Yeah. And he had Bill, Billy O'Reilly, the gaffer. Have you, have you listened to that episode? I, I did. I have listened it's to that. So it's, it's so great. It's so great. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's what he says too, right? Like in yeah. pre-production, you're like, look, if we can have some prep days, everything's going to go smoother on set when it's shoot day, you know? And yeah. it's like, ah, I don't know. He said as soon as they have to sign a check, they're just like, ah, I don't know, right? But yeah. spending money to make money basically. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, 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 the thing that they, they got to get across is that they hire you to do your job. And, you're, and part of your job is to deal with the budget and time and make sure the director gets what he wants. And so you come up with your budget and your planning. And it's, you know, very rarely it's, oh, that's great. It's always, okay, you got to lose half a million dollars. You got to do this. <laughs> right. Well, hang on a second. You know, we, 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 um, you know, we're looking at this now. If we start cutting back, it's going to affect your day, and uh, especially with manpower. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's just part of the job is that that we that we deal with as uh, department heads as you as the budget. And how do you feel? You know, with when you talk about budgets and big films and stuff, like, is there a pressure? I know in that podcast with Billy O'Reilly, it was super crystal clear too of like having to use all of this gear because now it's available to you and the technology. And you talk about this, like, you know, the, the alabaster stone and using more DIY unique stuff. Do yeah. you feel a pressure sometimes to use all of this stuff because it's there versus when it could be a lot simpler and it's over? Th- no. No? Uh, I, I use stuff for two reasons. One, if, if the camera DOP specifically asks for it, then right. we'll put it in for them. But, and the other one is, 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 uh, is for saving uh, efficiency. And if it does the job, otherwise, uh, you know, like right now, everyone is really big on LED airy sky panels. They're the, the big thing and they're a brilliant tool. They're, they're amazing. Um, but I still believe that the best light to shoot with is the Mole Richardson baby. Uh, it's a 1K Fresnel. Um, uh, and 1K it, is like a thousand watts. thousand watt. Yeah. Right. And it's a Fresnel. So the lens, you can spot it and flood it. I still think it's the most beautiful light out there. And eventually LED is going to make that. Uh, right. Some company like Airy will make that into uh, a usable light. But right now, there's nothing. That, there's no products. There's Airy for or LED for else, but they're really not as good as mm-hmm. the, uh, the tungsten ones. I uh, love tungsten light. That's my yeah. fave. Yeah, yeah. It's still the most beautiful light. And the LEDs are there. You can use them. Uh, the sky panels, you, you can change color. You can change intensity. In the drop of a hat, you can do all these things. Um, on your boards, right? So your, for people on, that on don't board, know, you've got sure. this board that controls all the lights in a set, let's say. Yeah, so like, exactly. I don't think people think about it. Like the first thing I think of is like a nightclub scene, right? Yeah. And you have all those beautiful little lamps. That's when I always think of tungsten light, right? Those beautiful mm-hmm. little orange, you know, yellowy glows on the tables at a private supper, dinner club or whatever. But yeah. all of that stuff is on, is controlled, is it not, on this board? Absolutely. If it's a film set, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everything goes back to the board. Um, so it's, especially nowadays, um, the, the, uh, the use of the, the board operator, the console operator is, is so important right. you know, and to the point where now they're inside the dit tent, uh, where the dit is the, the, where the, the, the DOP will sit with the uh, technician, the, di- the digital technician, and they will adjust the uh, look of the, uh, of the image uh, uh, with all of the, uh, his equipment. I'm really not all that. I just see what they do. It's, it's one of Are those you, you're all, So the thing is too, yeah, like so when we talk about Video Village, right? Like, right. you know, you've got uh, this, this tent, this black tent. 
and everybody's sitting in there staring at the beloved screen, the digital screen, to see for people that don't know, right? Like that's what it's going to look like on your screen. So they need yeah, to exactly. see the, you know, exactly. the 16 by 9 or whatever it is of how it's going to look at home, right? Right. Um, but I know, some, like, I had a, a, a DP on here, and he was like, you know, he likes being on set. He didn't want to be in Video Village all the time. Right. He wanted to exactly. be on set and seeing it for real. Yeah. Um, you know, but so much of it is this almighty screen. you got to make sure it's going to look the way it's going to look. Yeah. A but lot back of, in the day, you didn't have that, right, in yeah. the same way. And a lot of, a lot of DPs don't go in the dip. They, they, they're out there behind camera, they're, uh, and, and they're lighting and stuff. Uh, some of them like to sit in the dit and uh, the gaffer and the grip will go out and they'll light the set and he'll just look at the image and change things. So it, 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 it varies on, mm-hmm. on who they are. But um, the, the board op is now in the dit tent with the DOP and he's... To control you know, they, everything they, for them, kind of, right? Real time. Be, yeah, it used to be the point where the, the, the DOP would tell the gaffer, dim that down, and I'd get on the radio and talk to the board op. Mm-hmm. Well, now he just talks to the board op directly. That's quite a big change. It's, it is a big change, but it's good too because while he's doing that, I can go out and uh, and uh, uh, get more specific with lighting the room. Right. You know? um, so instead of me doing like four or five things, I can just do one or two things. Well, you know, but to do that, I have to have a great board op, and I do. I mm-hmm. uh, smell best of is my uh, the guy I've been using for a few years now, and he's fantastic. Well, that's the thing. Once you get good people, right? That's your core yeah. team. You don't let them yeah. go. You're like a unit, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, you, you know, you don't you don't want them to go, but at the same time, well, that's true. Sometimes you have they... to understand that everyone evolves and wants to do different things, and that's you know, my understanding with my crew is is you know, a lot of guys come through with come through me, and they've said, I want to be a gaffer, and you know, I help them out. I'll give them some second units, and or they want to be a board op, and that's what happened with Smell. He came to me one day. He's my lamp op for years, and said I want to work on a board so I said yeah let's get you doing that and you know now he's he, he's like one of the best in the city and uh you know and some of the guys that I've worked with and women that I work with they uh they have all become they've become best boys or gaffers and so you although it's it's hard to see them go but at the same time they're going but they're also going with a little bit of me you know they're they're going with the things that I had on so hopefully uh, like the the respect thing and uh you know, and try to be nice and, uh, and, you know, and then they take a bit of that with them plus the uh, technical side of it and they produce uh, good crews that way. Yeah, then they go, they, many sprout off and make, have crews of their own, right? Like, yeah, that's what yeah, and they, they, and, and they, you know, they treat them well and stuff and send them out in the world to go do their yeah. own, right? Have their yeah, own yeah, offering. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any memorable lighting setups that, you know, were specifically hard or technical or that you remember that were like, carved into your memory um lots of big stuff uh you know like the 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 first big feature i did was godzilla um and uh that was really that was that was great because the the dp was uh seamus mcgarvey this guy that i've been kind of following for years and then i found out that he was coming to town and uh i kind of said at my head that no one's going to do this movie but me there's uh, you know so well you're good at manifesting this stuff right yeah, I, I pursued uh, Seamus and, uh, you know, I think he had, I, and I called in a bunch of favors and I think he had my resume uh, in on his, you know, in his inbox before he even signed on to do the movie. Uh, <laughs> but I did, this was the big first big feature I did. And yeah. uh, we built these lights for him. Uh, he needed a large source because he was shooting in large areas of the city and in Lower Mainland. 
and uh, we wanted we needed some big sources. So we built these huge um, fixtures for him. They were we called them well, they were BFLs, which uh, you know stands for a big fucking light. Um, <laughs> very technical. Very technical, but we ended up calling them uh, BFLs. It, I love that. Yeah, we we ended up calling them We Seamus and Little Seamus. Nice. So one one was on a two hundred foot lift, and the other one I think was on a two hundred twenty foot lift, and they were uh, we came up with these ideas, and they were built by uh, rigging grip Dave McIntosh built all, all of the rigs for them, mm-hmm. and uh, my rigging guy for Sean Oxenberry he put them together. He we and they were basically I think that you know I, I don't recall, but they were probably one of the biggest lights in the world at the time. They're two hundred sixteen thousand watts per Whoa. per fixture, and uh, they were massive, and they were completely controllable. You can control the intensity, how many lights are on. There are multiple um, fixtures. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, each, there's each fixture was seven hundred fifty watts, and there was a whole bunch of them, and and they, they built this giant frame for them, and we can diffuse them and put color on them. But um, that was that was huge. That was a big deal when we built those, and, and they're still around. They're, they're sitting. I think Dave Mac has the uh, Dave Macintosh has the um, the pieces for them to throw them together. So if we wanted to use them, we could easily just throw them back together. Well, and um, were they one offs? Like that's a one off DIY thing, right? That's not a convention. Yeah, we, well, it's it's not a one. It's a one off in that we built it for Godzilla. We also used it on Planet of the Apes. And this is for outside. Outside, yeah, yeah, for massive, massive areas. Like uh, we were down in the waterfront in uh, in Steveston, and we had to light the whole waterfront, so we used it for that. And What's everybody yeah. else doing? They're not boring the BFL. No, well, they'll they'll use multiple smaller lifts, like hundred foot lifts with uh, three or four lights on them, so they'll have like six of those. Right. It's uh, um, a one shot deal. Yeah, yeah. So we <laughs> wanted he wanted to have this big source, and you know we stuck our heads together. And uh, these guys, Dave Mack and Sean, uh, they, they built it. They were brilliant. Uh, this, this is the big thing with having crews like this is that they are really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, like Dave Mack and, uh, and his crew, they built these air walls and the inflatable green screens, which are fantastic. I think they even won, they won an Academy Award for them. Wow. Um, yeah, so that, that was a big deal. That, they go around the world. So we, we're, working, we're working with these really smart, talented people that come up with all these ideas and that's how in the if you look at the history of film all these things that you see is used now were invented by some grip you know or or lighting technician like kino tubes were invented by i believe they invented by gaffer um cable cams that you see all the sports thing that was invented by a couple of grips Uh, right so these guys come up with these ideas to do stuff Mm -hmm. and uh and then they just do it you know they um the sliders, uh, the camera sliders, uh, they're all invented by grips, you know, uh, and then some company takes it and makes a billion dollars out of it. Well, yeah, I was going to say they start with this like poor man's process, right? Yes. To so- find a solve yeah. and then, you know, put their heads together and then suddenly it's a marketable piece, right? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it, it's got to be fun to do some of that stuff versus just the lock and load. I know it's never that simple and transactional with lighting, yeah. but, you know, when you've done it a bunch of years and it's like, get me of this, get me of that. Yeah. Um, but having like, uh, yeah, like a really interesting solve, it's kind of, you kind of get back, well, you get to pull your sleeves back up again. Totally. And, and it all comes down to, um, shots that directors want to do or, or ideas that the DPs want to do. And, uh, and then we all sit down and go, okay, how are we going to do this? And mm-hmm. then we come up with this crazy idea. Like we built this, uh, tracking system on BFG, uh, 
Um, That's big friendly giant, right? Big friendly giant, yeah. Not so big there was fucking a, G, something else. No, no we're no. using this this short. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, we had this system where the the, the young girl was chasing um, these lights, which were dreams, through this forest. I love uh, that forest. film, by the way. It's amazing. Oh, oh, it's a great a looking film, man. Yeah, yeah. it's so nice. Uh, she's chasing these little light sources through a forest, and they were dreams, and she had to capture these dreams. And so uh, we had we they built this beautiful forest set, and we had to figure out how to move. And the light sources were actually uh, lights that we built. They were little dome uh, LEDs that produced light. And the idea was that they were going to replace the light itself, but the light it emitted and hit the background, uh, they can't really do that. So we would have to provide a light that does the background and does interacts with the girl as right. she's running through the forest. So Dave Mack came up with this. We talked about a tracking thing. He came up with this brilliant track system on um, uh, with an arm. It was all remote and you put the light on it. And uh, it was a remote control system that went through this whole forest and put the light wherever you want. We The day we showed it to Steven, he looked at it and went, that's great. I'll put my camera on it. And we're like, oh, Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So then we had another week to figure out if he was going to use that for his camera. Right. We had to figure out how to do the lights. And of course, we ended up figuring something out. And he put his camera on that and he was super happy. And uh, and it looked great. It worked out really, really well. I feel like there's nothing a film crew can't figure out, though. Uh, Absolutely. Failure is not an option, really. It's like if this is what they want, you're going to have to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and it just takes creative minds, you know. And if you if you get those, you know, and you just have a little time to think it out, and uh, it it works really well. Yeah, it, it works out, you know. I, I in that gaffer episode with Billy O'Reilly too. I always I wrote down that he said he'd always wanted to do a full movie with stuff from Home Depot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like just go to Home Depot, find all the shit, and just make your movie with that yeah. to prove well, that you probably could do it. Because he came from like doc stuff, right? Yeah, um, documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. So you just you know you just necessity just a light bulb. Yeah, you didn't yeah. have all and, this fancy stuff. Well, when I worked at ProLight, we had these small vans, you know, like the diesel the before panel vans. But these tiny little vans with small generators, and that's what we send out on commercials. You know, they just made yeah work the return with what of the panel had. vans, right? Yeah, yeah. Instead for of sure. these massive, you know, one ton or we're not one ton. How many tons? Those huge. I always think of them like concert, concert trucks. You know, that oh, yeah, the roll 40, up to the forty foot trailers. Yeah, you've got these forty yeah. foot trailers, and like, how are you not pressured? That's why I asked of like to use all the lights in there. It's like you've got right. there's so well, much in there. You know, you know the the, the argument is is that uh, you know. And when it comes down to it, it's it's better to be looking at it than looking for it. And there's a lot <laughs> that's of times, true. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, exactly. a lot of times where we we will call for something and we don't have it, and yeah. everyone waits until we get it. But if it's sitting there, and it's not really, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really cost that much money. You're going to save a lot of money that way or time. And like yeah, exactly. you said, time is the what's important. Oh yeah, exactly right. That's all there is. You know, yeah. you can't you can't get time back. You can't you can't really buy more time. You know, yeah. I think that's why it's so stressful on set. You can buy almost anything. You can pay. You know, locations can pay more money for places and and throw money at more equipment and stuff. But you know, there's only so many hours in the day, especially if you're losing daylight and things like that. Right? Then your yeah. nature's against you. Yeah, for sure. Would you say lighting and in, in that on that note? You know, a lot of people joke like the best day of lighting is like a summer sunshine day. Um, like natural light, but is that actually true? Would you say that, you know, is that an easier day? You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, like when we do outside work, it, it's a grip day. The grips are the ones working hard on the outside. Right. We may set up an 18K for a bounce or 
or a light for a bounce or an edge or something like that. Uh, but you know, we don't we don't really work as big as the grips on those days. Uh, our thing is night exteriors and studios. That's when we we when we come we we do our lot of work. And then, unfortunately, the grips work evenly throughout. Yeah. The whole shoot. Do you have a preference yourself? What do you like to work on? What's a good day uh, you for know, you? You know, I, I, you know, weirdly enough, I like doing night exteriors. Um, yeah. You're in control. You have, uh, you know, you, you, you're in control of the light. Be very specific with what you want. Day exteriors are great uh, in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you're at the mercy of uh, the clouds and the sun and the rain and right. all things that can affect you. And, you know, it doesn't always work. You could be waiting around for hours while the, the waiting for the sun to come out or the sun to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, night exteriors, you have complete control of it. You can be creative. Uh, you know, that's, the, our, that's our world. Uh, as much of a pain in the ass to work at night um, throws off your your you know your clock and stuff, but that that's our where that's where we become uh, creative, you know, and yeah. also in studios. In the studios, we we you know become creative too. We can really creative in the studios. Like when we did uh, El Royale, that entire exterior of the motel in the rain was all in the studio. Yeah, people don't realize that, right? Yeah, you obviously yeah, build it, these sets so you can have so much control. You don't want to do yeah. a motel where. You can only have it for one night and you can't get back and there's noise and right. Yeah. Well, there's also, uh, you know, like a lot of that movie is outside in the parking lot of that motel. And they realized that, you know, if we did that outside, we'd spend three quarters of the movie doing night exteriors. And yeah, it, again, exactly. you're at the mercy of the rain. It was in the middle of winter when we shot it and uh, your rain, snow, all that stuff. So they just built it all inside and, you know, Joel Wiss, the special effects coordinator, built all those sprinklers up there. And uh, God, it was amazing. And the drainage and stuff, it was really, it was great. That was a big cast, too. I've not yeah, seen very, that film. very big cast. Very big cast. Do you watch your films? Do you watch, not your yeah. films, but yeah. do you watch I the films you watch, work in? I, I think I've seen all my films. I'm not sure. How do you feel about them when you look? Are you like, ah, oh, shit, I should have done that differently? Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a couple of times where I looked at something and went, oh, why did I do that? But then I think a lot of the times I'll go, oh, that's pretty good. Because it's not necessarily me. It's a, camera, it's a DOP that, you know. That's right. You can't control how it shows. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, there's a lot of cool things that they do. And you, and you sit there and go, oh, is that going to work? Is that, you know, that's interesting. And, uh, and then you see it on screen. You go, oh, wow, that works really well. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to put that down on my my little notebook. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many people watch. Like, I know my husband doesn't watch any of the stuff he works on. I make him and I do it. And he's just like, oh, <laughs> God. But, and I think a lot of it's because it's TV and it's, you know, you're not changing lives with some of the scripts. And it's also very standardized, right? Like a lot of that American um, TV stuff, it's very, you know, it's, it's shot one way and it's kind of got a look and, you know, you don't have to watch all of it, right? Right, right. Um, yeah. But a film's kind of a one-off. You can get a specific look, you know? Yeah, it can be. And, and, and that's the thing too. I, I, what I like about film is each film's different, you know? It, right. It, it, so each, each project is uh, you're looking at doing something different. It's, it's, um, it can, it's a little more, it's exciting. You know, you work with a new cameraman, a new director, a new production designer, and then you work with them and you figure out what, what you're trying to do. And whereas in television, if you do an episodic uh, television show for 11 months, it looks the same. And, mm-hmm. uh, and lock, hello, lock and oh, load. Yeah, and, and although that that can be great uh, too, but it can it can probably get a little tedious at times where you're mm-hmm. just doing the same old thing. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I spend three months working on a film, and uh, and then I know that after I finish that film, I'll go do something else with someone completely different. 
Yes, exactly. So on that note, as we kind of wrap up, like, are you taking any time this summer? Like with COVID and stuff, did you have quite a break? I, I did. I, I uh, In the initial lockdown, I just came back from Japan. And uh, so that was in March. So from March to August, I had off. And then I did, I did that uh, Sandra Bullock uh, movie, which wasn't really... Um, like that movie, uh, that, that film, the untitled Sandra, uh, Greg King film. Anyway, that film was already shot. They shot that pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And then they came back to finish it. And the original gaffer was uh, busy doing something else. But it was also a match position because they brought up the gaffer from the States. And uh, and I, I did it because I wanted to not necessarily... Because my, my influence as a gaffer was... Uh, yeah, that match that. thing, just so people understand, right? That's so that, you, you know, the person that was on it before can help, quote, match what's being done up here, right? Yeah, well, the, what happens a lot is a lot of camera, a lot of DPs bring up their gaffers. Uh, sometimes right. we have to match them. So we have to, so a Canadian gaffer, Vancouver gaffer isn't unemployed because of that. They bring uh, him see. in and they bring in his crew. Got so it. they get the crew. And uh, so the, the Canadian gaffer just, I don't want to say he sits around. but <laughs> Careful, he, Stuart. Don't yeah, talk he, yourself out of a job. Yeah, uh, but he's the he does what the ga- the gaffer says. This is what we're going to do because I've worked with this cameraman right. for a long time, and this is how we're going to do it. And then they work with the the Canadian gaffer and his crew, or the Vancouver gaffer and his crew, and and they uh, work all that out. So I've done a bunch of those in the past as I was learning, and it's great to learn because mm-hmm. you're basically working with some big deal people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but nowadays, I don't necessarily do it. But I did it on this because it was the first show back in COVID. And I wanted to go and figure out how we were going to work around COVID. Right. So yeah. it was, I, I focused mostly on that, on that show. My crew was, was or like, they're veterans. They're the ones. So for me to give my crew to that gaffer, David Lee, his name was, he was a, a wonderful guy. And then I focused more on looking at how COVID was running and how Netflix was running COVID, which by the way is amazing. Netflix is just fabulous. Uh, you know what? The film industry done a phenomenal job, honestly, like the amount they, of testing and yeah. it's unbelievable how much they've recovered and, and just plugged along. It's unbelievable. Yeah, sure. Really impressive. Yeah, no, they're, um, they're, they're doing really well. So that was the reason. So I basically was off from uh, March to August and then we did Sandra Bullock and then once that one was finished, we went right on to the Adams Project. And then when that was finished, we did National Parks. You're right back in it now. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hopefully, it doesn't look like there's a lot of stuff starting in uh, August, September. So hopefully we'll have that at the end of the summer. You'll never be without work. Don't you worry. <laughs> funny, I got to tell you a funny thing about Sandra Bullock. So Tony, my husband, worked a few days on there with you, which he yeah. just loved working with your team. Um, and yeah, so he brought home some gum. You know, Crafty has gum, and they cut it up in those little squares so you don't do yeah. the whole pack, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so my son was like, Daddy, can I have some of this gum? And it was like trident, like some special one, trident with vanilla filling or, you know, whatever. Right. And he's like, oh, that's good gum. Where did you get it, Daddy? And he's like, oh, I got it on the Sandra Bullock movie that I worked on or whatever. And so now he calls it Sandra Bullock gum, like my son. So he's like, can we go get Sandra Bullock gum? I'm like, it's not Sandra Bullock gum. It's Trident Vanilla. But he doesn't care. Like, it's the gum. So it's Sandra Bullock gum now. So (laughs) I always laugh. Yeah, that's what it's coined now, right? He wants the fancy-ass gum from the feature that Sandra Bullock. It's no shitty gum. It's like the high-end Trident with the fillings. But, oh, we just howled. We're just like Sandra Bullock gum. Like, there's a kid with a film dad, right? Um, Did you like having the time off, though? Like, how, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, would you adjust your schedule now or do you think you'll just keep giving her? No, no, I, I, uh, I, I kind of take, if 
stuff is happening or shows are around uh, that's interesting. I'll take them, but I'm a big fan of taking time off. Like mm-hmm. before I started gaffing and I work with Dennis, uh, we would have a lot of time off in between, you know, I was no stranger to taking three, four months off. Yeah. So, that's a nice thing about film, right? You can definitely, there's a, you can have a cadence if you want. Yeah. And it got to the point where, uh, like the, 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 the movie that kind of changed everything for me was doing Godzilla. Um, and it also happened to be at a time where film features just were super busy. Mm-hmm. But after I did Godzilla, a whole world opened up. Once I had that on my resume with Seamus McGarvey, the DOP on it, I started getting all these other, other, uh, other offers. And, uh, I basically, uh, it also coincided with this moving into this house. And uh, I thought, God, how am I going to pay for this mortgage? But then I started, it was nonstop for like five years. We had one job after another. And I think last year was the time when I said, or not last year, the year before, okay, I'm not going to take another project. I'm going to take some time off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it worked out because there was not much really going on. But uh, I'm now, ha- I'm happy with the, I'm happy to take time off. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, and as you look back on your career, like, are there still things you want to do? Or are you pretty happy where you're like, man, I feel like you're at 20 years or so, you're up on a bit of a crest of a hill looking back, right? And I don't mean that in an old age way, but just like career highlights, you know? Yeah. Um, no, there's there's still lots of people I'd love to work for, you know, mm-hmm. love to work with. There's, there's lots of, uh, you know, Roger Deakins, he's never been to Vancouver, but Boy, that would be yeah. what a guy. I know. Yeah. I don't know a lot about DPs, but I know about him. Like his stuff yeah. is phenomenal. I was in. I did a film in I Spy. I did it in Hungary um, years ago, and uh, I became good friends with. Uh, I was the best. I was the best boy on that show, and I became good friends with the Hungarian best boy Christian. And uh, yeah, we still keep in touch. And our careers have kind of uh, married each other in a way because he was the best boy to this Hungarian gaffer, and I was the best boy to Dennis Brock. And then we both became gaffers at the same time and mm-hmm. we talked to each other in email still. So the other, uh, he, we were in the middle of an email conversation and I said, uh, I'm super excited because it looks like they might be bringing Blade Runner to Canada or to Vancouver and I'm going to try and get on it. And then he emails me back going, yeah, too bad. I just signed on for the dude in Budapest. <laughs> You're like, so, damn uh, it. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, that which, wasn't, which yeah. Who wouldn't want to work on that one, right? Like, holy shit. Oh yeah, for sure. And but all those stuff, you know, like uh, this. There's still so many cameramen out there that I want. I'd love to uh, kind of work with and or love to work with. And well, and that's great to hear that. You know, twenty years oh, yeah. in or more. You know oh, that you still God, have a passion no. I, I, for it. Yeah, man, I love going to work every day. It's, yeah, not everybody can say that, right? No, especially yeah. in film, a lot of people are just worn the hell out in film. Yeah, it's not. It, it, you gotta. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that uh, that when I hear people don't like it, and uh, I, I'm. Cause I love it. You yeah. know, like you'll, you'll talk to people and, and you'll, and I go, you'll say, is your, you got to get your son into the business. And like, no, no, I wouldn't do that. Why? Why wouldn't you? This is the greatest job in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It so, takes a certain person for sure. Right. Like some people start it and then they, they duck out quick. They're like, Oh no. Yeah. Um, but if it suits you and the, the ever changing world of it is pretty exciting, you know, and, yeah. and Vancouver, I mean, you don't have to leave now. Like that's something you would have had to leave for. And now you can do it right here and be home yeah, in your house, you, right you know? Here. Although I do love, I do, I mean, the highlights is traveling, you know, anytime, mm-hmm. you know, they turn around and say, you know, we're going to, we're going to take you somewhere, even if it's to Kitimap. Yeah. It's just, it's an adventure. Yeah. Just get on and the I've road. Been, and I've been lucky enough to do some pretty good adventures. Like I was, 
uh, Hungary was a great one. And uh, I was in China on a show in Japan. We went to Hawaii. You know, I did that. I did a film in, in the middle of winter in uh, Regina, oh, God. which was, which was, it was awesome. It was crazy. It was, it, you know what? It was, when we, it's a, it was another Ryan Reynolds film uh, called Just Friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of a Christmas movie. We still watch it in our house every Christmas. It's hilarious. Oh, I got to watch uh, it then. Oh, it's so good. Uh, but we were working outside in Regina at nighttime. It was minus 40. Did you have to but put, it, what, did, what did Billy O'Reilly say? Like he had to put the gaffer tape in the microwave for some of those? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, you know, like the cable would snap. None of the, the hydraulics would all freeze. Oh, my um, gosh. It was great. It was, but it was, it was great. It was a, a great adventure. Yeah, and there's on a lot that of one, that. Yeah, on the prairies, right? That stuff they shoot. Yeah, it's oh, freezing. Yeah, yeah. Fargo show Fargo, and Calgary, Fargo. right? Yeah, and, and, and you don't find well that they're they're shooting that real like that. They're out there in that yeah. snow. Yeah, exactly. And that's the that's the crazy thing, you know. Like we we sure work in crazy locations and and all conditions, and people, th- you know, oh, it's glamorous film industry. You know, you're standing and pouring rain for like mm-hmm. 15 hours. But somehow those become good war stories later. I don't know. But it's it's all part of it, you know. Yeah, it's what we, it's you're in your stripes well. with that stuff, right? You know, it's it's it, people come up from LA all the time, and they go, "Oh yeah, so it's going to rain here." What do you guys do in the rain? <laughs> well, we shoot. You know? That's, what they, it's, I, that's it's, another shirt, right? What do you do when it rains here? Yeah, it's what we do well. You know, we we uh, we work in the rain. Yeah, and, uh, we work in the snow, and we work in all kinds of conditions. And then sometimes yeah. you're in a nice warm studio with Sandra Bullock gum. And and. <laughs> And sometimes you're in a nice warm studio. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. It was such a blast. And I probably flew by for you. Um, I think, you know, everybody comes on and they're like, oh, how am I going to do this? But honestly, it's so enjoyable. I really enjoy doing it. Um, So thank you so much for giving up part of your Saturday for me. Oh, no problem. Thank you. And um, I'm going to share, too. I remember Godzilla in New West, and actually I have a bunch of photos from my condo looking down because you guys did that destructive rock. That's right. So I'll post that on my Instagram when this one's all ready to go. But, yeah, just thank you so much, really. I really appreciate it. And good luck over the summer. Hopefully you get a little time to rest. Yeah, I will. Um, And we'll look for your next show. All right. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks very much. Take care. If you want to learn more about my podcast, you can go to vantropolispodcast.com or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also leave me a review on iTunes, subscribe, or share it with someone you love. Or don't love, just share it.